So I want to I want to just spend a little bit of time. Nathan's been going through First uh, Thessalonians, which has been great. Um, you know, Greg talk, spoke last week, um, which was was just amazing to be able to to hear from him. And I, I want to go back into Thessalonians a little bit, and and I want to to look at even a couple of passages that that Nathan looked at. I can't remember if it was two weeks ago or three weeks ago. I've sort of lost track at this point, but. Um, Something jumped out at me a couple of weeks ago. So Nathan was talking, and I have to be—I have to be honest. At, at one point, I stopped paying attention entirely. I was still listening, but I was because I was struck by something just in the text of that, that Nathan was working through. And and there's a phrase that shows up that Paul uses at the very end um, in the book of First Thessalonians, at the very end of chapter three. He uses it two more times. It, throughout the first 10 verses in chapter 4. And so within the span of 12 verses, Paul uses this phrase three times. And it just sort of jumped out at me and and, and grabbed my attention. And so over the last couple of weeks, I've just been holding that before the Lord and just saying, what is, Lord, what is that, right? I mean, we know like when Jesus said things, you know, truly, truly, I tell you, right, that those those were the things that he, he wanted to make sure that the disciples got, right? If Jesus says something once, right, you should listen. When he says it twice, you need to be paying attention. And, and, and I think when the Apostle Paul says something twice or three times, it's, it's to our good, you know, to make sure that we, we spend a little bit of time there. And so that's what I want to do today. So at the end of verse 3, right, and again, I'm not, I'm not going to go back through, I'm not going to rehash all of this. Nathan went through this in, in a pretty high level of detail. But in, at the end of verse 3, or chapter 3, excuse me, in First Thessalonians, Paul writes this. This is starting in verse 11. He says, Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus clear the way for us to come back to you. May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else, just as ours does for you. May he strengthen your hearts so that you'll be blameless and holy in the presence of our God and Father when the Lord Jesus comes with all of his holy ones. And so if you're, if you're somebody, I, I say this to you guys a lot, if you're somebody who, if you write in your Bible, if you journal, if, you, if you've got an app on your phone and you're going to highlight something, I want you to highlight in verse 12, right? Make your love increase and overflow if you're taking notes. And so not far down below that in, in, in chapter 4, right, he's winding down a message here. Not really winding down. He writes, finally, there's two more chapters to the book here, right? He's, Paul's a good pastor, right? He says, ah, in closing for 25 more minutes. So finally, brothers, we've instructed you how to live in order to please God. As in fact, you're already doing. These are, the, the, the church at, at Thessalonica, they're doing this. He says, but we ask you and urge you in the Lord Jesus to do this more and more. Right, and so he he goes down, it's not much further down in in verse 9. And he says, now about brotherly love, we don't need to write to you, for you yourselves have been taught by God. Right, he's saying, I don't need to go here, but I'm going to go here anyways. Right? You've been taught by God to love each other, and in fact, you do love all of the brothers throughout Macedonia. Yet we urge you, brothers, to do so more and more. So 
the the reality is it it looks like maybe two of the same and, and one that's different, but that word up above in, in chapter three, that overflow, it's the same word in the original language, right? This idea of more and more. And so that's what I want to talk about today. I want to talk with you about this concept of more and more and what Paul is calling them to, what he's pointing them to, because I think there was something here for them, but I think there's something for us in this as well. And this idea of, of more and more in the original, it's a, it's a word I didn't even know was a real word. It's a picture, the, 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 the language that he's saying here is, I want you, I'm encouraging you, I'm urging you, I'm beseeching you, I'm calling you to super abound. Right? Not just to abound, right? but there, there, there's a thing of, of super abounding, which I didn't even know. I didn't even know. And this is what that word means, right? It means literally to, to superabound above and beyond. It could be in quantity, it could be in quality, it could be in both. But to just go ab ab above, and, above and beyond, right? To be in excess. We don't often like to think about that, right? We like to think about sort of moderation and, and balance and, um, you know, to, to, that, that excess is is not the direction that we're supposed to lean into, but that's exactly what Paul's calling these guys to, is, is to excess in this particular sphere of, of their life together. Right? It's a picture of having enough with some to spare. It's literally, right? for those of you who like to cook, it's literally making dinner with the intention of having leftovers. That's the picture here. I'm going to come back to that one here in just a little bit. And the last one is to excel, right? Some of, you know, Nathan was talking earlier about, you know, gifts and, and callings in other places and throughout the New Testament, Paul says, listen, if you're going to desire spiritual gifts, then eagerly desire, then super abound in the things that build up the body, right? It's the same word where he's talking about that. And I, like I said, I've got to be honest with you, this makes me a little bit uncomfortable. I'm not that, that place of, of excess, that place of just above and beyond but look at, look at the context that he's talking about this in. He's not talking about excess in a worldly thing. He's not talking about excess in a pursuit of recognition. He's not talking about excess in pursuit of, of you know, making a name or having things. He's talking, he's calling them three times in 12 verses to an excess in walking in love, right? We tend to think of the Apostle John as the one who was all about, right, loving each other, love each other, love each other. I think Paul's giving him a run for his money here, right? He's calling this body, and the reality is he's calling them to, to be overflowing in their love for each other and their love for the brethren, their love for those around them, the communities that they're located in that don't yet know Jesus as Lord. That's exactly what he's calling them to here over and over and over again. And the reality is if you, if you look in Philippians, I'm not going to go there, but in Philippians 1, he writes something almost exactly the same thing to the church at Philippi, right? Philippians 1.9 says this, Paul's writing again. He says, and this is my prayer that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and in depth of insight, right? That the same call that he's making to this church, he made to another church that he had invested in 
And I would argue to all of you guys that he's making his words make the same call to us at New Life today, that we would abound, that we would operate in a place of excess in how we walk in love with each other and with the greater community around us. And it makes sense if you think about it. What did Jesus say? You'll know, they'll know you're my disciples because of this overflowing, unexplainable, to the point of almost being ridiculous looking love. It's a little bit of a picture here. I mean, Paul says, listen, I don't, I don't even have to write to you guys about this. You're already doing these things, right? You're already doing this. And yet I'm saying the place that you're at, there's still more. You know, and I thought about trying to do this this morning. And it, if you have a, a cup that's the size of a thimble and that's full, right, you can overflow that even more. And you could fill up the next biggest cup, right? You get one of those solo cups you could overflow that and you could over you know once that's filled you could overflow that into a right into a swimming pool into right you can wherever you're at right if you've been walking with the lord you've been walking with a community of believers for you know an hour for a day for a year right you can always overflow where you're at right now maybe not on your own and i'm going to talk a little bit about that here in just a couple of minutes but you can Right? He's saying, listen, you're already doing this. This is already a strength. This is already something you're walking in. Now do more of it. And if we were really honest with the, ourselves, right? there are spheres, there are people where I probably am walking in this. I have people in my life who are easier to love than others. For some of you, I am that person. Right? For some of you, I am easier to love than others. There's always an opportunity for this superabounding, for this over and above sort of interaction with each other. And that's exactly what he's calling to them, too. It's, it's almost a picture here. How many of you guys have ever seen like the, the marathon, like Boston Marathon or New York City Marathon, some of these huge races that just draw tens of thousands of people right, to run? But along with that, there are tens and thousands of people who stand on the side and cheer people on. And some people have a thing, right? They want to be at mile five. They want to be at mile 10. They want to be, and they're saying, listen, you've already, Jerome, you've already made it five miles, man. Keep going, right? Like five miles is a long run, but you can keep going. You can keep doing more. Right? At 10 miles. Listen, you're already doing this. You're 10 miles deep. You can keep going in this. 15, 20, 25 miles. I don't care today how far into this thing you are, this, this Christian walk. Paul is exhorting you, whatever level of this that you're walking in, this, this brotherly love, right? Within your family, within this new life community, within Saratoga. He's saying, man, keep going. Keep pressing into this. There is more. However far into this you are, there is more that can come out of this for you. And so I think he's, like the rest of the book, he's trying to encourage these guys to keep going. Right? To not give up and to live in a certain way as they're doing that. But I think maybe more than even all of that, I think Paul is calling them, right, reminding them, that the reality is, guys, this is exactly consistent with the character and nature of our God. 
this idea of, of showing love, of abounding and superabounding grace and love to people. That's how God operates. It's how God operates. Go back, if just hold here in First Thessalonians, flip back into your Bible, right, into a really familiar passage of Scripture in Psalm 23. Right, verse 5 says, You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. It's a picture of just, it's not a, it's not a dab, right? It literally is a picture of taking a, a pitcher and you, if you want to get anointed, right, that's the picture that you want of it literally being dumped out without measure. You anoint my head with oil. My cup is full to the brim. No, my cup's not full to the brim. My cup runs over, right? That's super abundance. That's what Paul's talking about. That's the character and nature of God. He's pointing them back to Christ in this, in this encouragement. He's saying, listen, remember who your God is, who you serve. Remember what he's like. He super abounds things, right? If you, if you go back, you read the story in, in 2 Kings where Elijah's, you know, working with the widow and he, he says, listen, go, she has a debt that, right, in her family that, that can't be paid. And he says, listen, here's what I want you to do. Elijah the prophet, right, who's a picture, he's a type of Christ, says, go find as many jars as you can. And so they gather up all of these jars and they start pouring out, right, and, and something happens. God touches her life. And all of a sudden, the oil that would seem like it was not even going to be adequate to fill a single jar fills that jar and literally every jar that they can find to the point where they're pouring. There's no more containers to keep it in. And now they're freaking out because they've got a slightly different problem, right? Now there's oil running all over the place, right? God's super abounded to them. They literally had to call out and ask him to stop. The picture in, in the New Testament, right, where Jesus feeds 5,000, right, what do they do? They've got, they start with what? Five loaves and two fish. They feed 5,000 people, not including women and children, it says in a, in a couple of the accounts. And they pick up more than what they started with. There's 12 basketfuls of leftovers when they're done. Do you know what that word is, what that picture is? When they're collecting back. And it says the, the disciples collected back the 12 basketfuls. Do you know what that word is? It's the same word. It's more and more. It's super abound. That in the midst of people having a need, a physical need to be fed, that Christ, out of his character and nature, super abounded to them in a way that nobody there could have produced on their own. I mean, some of you are really great cooks who know how to stretch a short list of ingredients. None of you guys could have done that, right? Christ superabounded, right? The same word is used a few chapters later when Jesus goes again and feeds again 4,000. It's the same picture, right, of superabounding to the people. But beyond just the, the physical sort of things of feeding people bread, right, in Romans 5, I want to read this to you guys. In Romans 5, Paul, again, is writing, and he's talking about how sin entered, entered through a man and that Christ came, you know, through Adam and that Christ came as the second Adam and that the blessing is not like the curse. 
And this is what he says in Romans 5 and starting in verse 15. He says, The gift is not like the trespass. For if the many died by the trespass of one one man, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many? That this is not an issue of for God of just superabounding in bread. This is about, again, his character and nature. He superabounds in grace to his people. He superabounds in his provision right, of the work on the cross. If you think about it, if God, you know, you go back to that, the verse in, in, in Psalm 23, right, if it was an issue of my cup just being full and not overflowing, that the I'm going to give you sort of a rough equivalent, right? It would be like Christ on the cross. And, and so many of us, we think, right, my sins are paid for and I'm back to a zero balance. I no longer have a debt to God because Christ has paid my debt and I'm back to zero. That in and of itself is abundance. I have a sense. I know what my own sin is. But this is, where thing, this is where the character and nature of Christ comes into this. Is That's not the end of that gospel, by the way. Is that he doesn't just get me square. He doesn't just get my account level. He superabounds to me a righteousness from Christ that gets credited to my account. So that I'm not just neutral. I'm not just zero balance in, my, in the balance sheet of life with the Lord. I literally have had transferred out of the riches of Christ into my account, the righteousness of Christ. That's superabounding. That's superabounding. That's the character and nature of God that, that Paul's pointing the church at Thessalonica back to. This is all over the New Testament, guys. If you read, he, he writes about this in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians, he talks about, for we know that if the sufferings of Christ overflow into our lives, if the sufferings of Christ superabound into our lives, do you know what comes after that? That there's a superabounding of grace that goes along with that. It's the same picture in Romans where he's talking about where sin increases, grace increases all the more. Where sin abounds, God has set it up that his grace would superabound, even above and beyond that. More and more. More and more. I want to wind down with this in Ephesians 1. I love Ephesians. This, maybe other than Hebrews. For me, this is, this is a favorite. Starting in verse 7, this is what Paul says to them. In him, he's talking about Jesus. In Jesus... We have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he's lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. You know what that word lavished means? He's superabounded to us, and he's made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times will have reached their fulfillment to bring all things in heaven and on earth together under one head, even Christ. I think Paul was absolutely trying to spur these guys on. Right? I have no doubt of that. Right? To encourage them in the face of persecution, to encourage them in the face of having been separated. You know, Nathan's talked about this, of, of having, being ripped away from, from Paul. 
But I want to suggest to you today that more than that, I think what he was doing was saying, what I'm calling you guys to, what you're called to walk in, in your interactions with one another, in superabounding love to each other, in superabounding grace and mercy to one another, is that when we operate in that space, when we operate in that fashion, one to another, in our community, that's how we fulfill the law of Christ in doing just that, of not just to the brim and then being okay, but in super of going above and beyond in how we love each other and how we love those around us, even those who are a little harder to love. And he's saying, listen, if you're going to walk, right, if you're going to follow Christ, that's what you're called to, Philippian church. Thessalonian Church, New Life Fellowship Church. This is what we're called to, that we would walk in this, that we would abound and superabound love to each other. But here's the reality, guys, is we can't do that any more than we could whip up out of five loaves and two fish dinner for 5,000. This is not a human-powered exercise that what, what Paul's writing about here is only possible in response to and, and, and empowered by the Holy Spirit, working in, in individuals, working in families, working in a church. This is not something that we can, can work up on our own. The call here is to say, Lord, I need you to do this. And then to be willing to, to walk this out. The power for that is, is going to come from the Holy Spirit. Lord, I'm thankful today that you, Lord, at a very core level of, of who you are, that, that your heart towards us is to pour out without measure. Lord, that your heart is to go, Father, even above and beyond what we could ask or imagine. Lord, that your provision for our sin, even where it abounds, goes infinitely beyond that and the grace and the mercy and the forgiveness that you pour out to us. Lord, that we would be a, a people that would walk in that same way, Lord, with each other, with those at our workplaces, with those at our kids' sports teams, with those Lord, that we meet on the street. Lord, that we'd be like the, the Samaritan who, who poured out without measure. Lord, that this would be the mark of us as your disciples. Lord, that we'd not just carry around the abundance that you've poured out to us, but that we would be those who in turn would pour it out to those around us. Lord, thank you for your heart to us, that you really are a good, good father. Lord, who's, who's made a way far beyond what we could have made for ourselves. Lord, thank you that you superabound your heart to us. Lord, we bless you in Jesus' name. Amen.